This is an ABC podcast. This is Stories from the Pacific on ABC Radio Australia. Hello and welcome to Stories from the Pacific on ABC Radio Australia. I'm Bobby McCumber. Nelson Stone grew up around sports like rugby, taekwondo and boxing. He describes himself as a street kid and says the fighting didn't always stay within the ring. Eventually, it was athletics that took hold of Nelson and he fought instead to turn his life around and become a champion of the track. Today, he is known as Papua New Guinea's Sprint King, clocking up multiple gold medals across the 400 metre, 200 metre and relay events. Nelson is also dedicated to training upcoming athletes and established ones too, most recently joining the coaching lineup of the Women's Rugby League team in Fiji, Bulikula. Nelson, welcome. Thank you. Um, so happy to be on the show. Nelson, what was life like for you as a teenager in Port Moresby, suburb of Tokarara? <laughs> yeah, I like the way you um, uh, pronounce Tokarara. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, you know, <laughs> I grew up in a very notorious um, um, suburb in Port Moresby, which I still live uh, live in the suburb currently, um, and it has been my home for 38 years now. Um, you know, it's always hard um, growing up in, 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 in one of the hardest suburbs, notorious suburbs in, in, in Port Moresby, um, but it is what it is, and, um, you know, I, I've learned so much about life and how it, it helped me, um, you know, have my way around um, certain things and to be where I am now, yeah. What do you mean when you say street kid? Well, in, in, in Tokara and in most um, most of the suburbs in um, in Port Mosby, um, you know, a lot of kids um, don't have better education. We we hang around our friends and, you know, we we do the kid stuff like the, how the, you know, a normal typical, you know, Port Mosby kid would do in, in in the streets or suburbs and you know that's how i define it you know we we do most of the things on our own as as kids you know we 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 go around play around look you know look for food on our own and then come back home and then go back to the same thing again into the next day so you know that's how street kids roll how much did you like school growing up oh you know i i can't say i don't like school um I grew up in a sporting family, um, you know, I draw most of my inspiration from my dad. Um, my dad is, you know, used to be a street brawler also. He took up sport and um, taekwondo was the sport that he, he got involved with and, 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 and revolved his life around taekwondo all of his life until uh, up until now. Uh, my dad introduced taekwondo to me when I was when I was six years old, but and I was doing taekwondo back in that at that age. But I I I wanted to be a doctor. That was something that really really and up until today, like I'm like I'm going to take up this stuff. But anyway, we did taekwondo at the age of twelve. You know, dad was at his prime, representing country in taekwondo. He was fighting in mixed martial arts um, back then. Also, I would see dad. You know, in, in his, in, in tournaments, he'd be jabbing like, jabbing really like effortless. And he's a Taekwondo man and Taekwondo is all about legs. And he, he's, you know, he's doing it really like, it, it was like pleasure to watch how dad was doing his jabs. And then I, when I was growing older, um, I realized dad loved Muhammad Ali so much uh, together with Bruce Lee. So I said, 
All right. Okay. Muhammad Ali. And then, you know, Muhammad Ali came on, you know, TV news and I'm like, Oh, right, okay. And then, all right, let me see what Muhammad Ali is like. So I watched movies of Muhammad Ali, read, read stories about him. And, you know, like I fell in love with Muhammad Ali. So when I was 12 years old, I'm like, I have to meet Muhammad Ali one day in my life. Um, and that has all, always my, uh, my greatest inspiration was, you know, Muhammad Ali through, through my dad. I love the guy so much. And that's where I, and I developed the love for sports. Um, and it all comes back to my dad again. I really, really turned my attention into sports and I, I gave, you know, less effort to my education, which is so wrong. Um, and I, you know, sometimes I regret, but I, I don't think too much about regret anytime. I've made that choice already. Yeah. So, you know, that's how I, 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 I developed the love for sports. Yeah. With that background, how often were you involved in fights outside of the ring? When I took up at um, Taekwondo, I uh, went as far as, you know, when I was 14, 15, 16 years old, uh, I was already taking part in senior open men you know, division. I was taking part in open men um, uh Kickboxing tournaments, um, open men boxing tournaments, karate tournaments, all open when I was still very, very young. Um, and I think that that got into my head and then, you know, uh, my education didn't, didn't go well. I, um, I made it as far as, um, grade 10. So I said, you know, I'm doing taekwondo and then I, 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 I really abused the sport. Um, and, you know, I, I used it a lot, um, outside of the sport. Uh, you know, I tend into becoming, in my own description, I, like I became a monster. I, you know, tended to become a, a bad bully. Um, you know, I would, I would use that, that, um, <clears throat> that talent to, you know, destroy other people's life. I would, you know, I did so many bad things that I know. Like today, I don't like mentioning it, mentioning, but when it comes to interviews like that, I speak it from my heart. Like, you know, this is what I did. And, <clears throat> and you know, yeah, it's, <laughs> and I, I, I speak it, but it gets to me sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Nelson, you say you were a monster. What changed that? Oh, I think, you know, when, when life, you know, hits you hard with all those bad things that you've done, you know, it, it comes to a moment where, you know, you, uh, it's okay. Take your time. Yeah, it comes to a moment where, you know, like, I do believe like nature is, you know, answered back to me that, you know, you've done people wrong and, you know, you haven't apologized to them. You've, you know, it has affected their family, their, you know, their lives and it, it, 
it really had a major impact on me that, you know, it hit me hard one time. I realized that my mom is a housewife. My dad, <clears throat> you know, he, whatever money he makes from sports, and if we, if he has something good, we eat, and if he doesn't, yeah. And I'd go and do those bad things with other bad boys, you know, see if I could uh, get something or eat something or by doing all those bad things. You know, it did really hit me hard. I needed to stop them. So this, there was this one time that it got into my head and my heart and it really, really hit my soul that I went to a really dark, lonely corner, a lone corner, and I said, I don't want to live this life. Yeah, I, want, I want to be somebody better. You know, but the answers didn't come directly, instantly. I just said that, but I knew I said it from my heart. I knew that was my, that was my last shot of hope. And I walked off that, that, that loan, my, that, that place that I went, spent my long time and I spoke. When I left there, I, I believed I had a different mindset when I, when I had that long time. And then I went and took up rugby league. I went and took up AFL. Um, I was doing well, but, Things didn't go well. Um, and then I, I tried rugby league. It didn't really connect. Like there was just something, something somewhere was telling me. Like I didn't, I didn't hear it. I didn't, I didn't see that. I couldn't really figure it out properly or feel it. But, you know, deep down there was something that, you know, was telling me that that's, that's not the one. So how did you first get into athletics? Um, so I played my last rugby league match and I came back home. Um, there was nothing at home. And, you know, mom said, Hey, look, when you were, when you were a little boy, um, you always like running. Um, why don't you go and take up running? It just hit me straight away. Um, and then that's it. I, the next day, it was on a Sunday. Then on a Monday, I, I, I walked to the, to the main stadium. I don't know where where the entrance was, but there was a hole at the back of the gate, usual popping and stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Then I saw this group of athletes. So I just walked straight to them and I said, "Um, athletics? And they said, yeah. Oh, can I join? Yeah, come on, you new guy. That was the first week. uh, That was in March, March 2007. I was 23 years old by then. No achievements, no nothing. just looking for something. <laughs> and then I, I, I joined the group. It was the first week and uh, our national athletics team, I was, that year was, um, 2007 Pacific Games. It was going to be held in, um, Samoa. And, uh, yeah, so I took up athletics in March. The games were going to be in, in August, September. So I took up, um, athletics and then that first day I trained second day. That first day when I took up athletics, that was the day that I never looked back. I never looked back then. It, it, it changed me completely because I, I could feel it in my heart that this was the answer. 
And then my dad said, Hey, look, you know, I don't think you, you, you're young enough to take up athletics. Um, go back rugby league. And mom said, No, just let him be, you know. And then I said, The screen, I mean, the advertisement would come on TV about the, the 2007 Pacific Games. You know, dad would come on, I would send him sitting in front and said, I'm going to go to the Pacific Games. And my dad would be like, The team has already been selected. What are you talking about? He said, No, no, no. I know I'm going to make the team. And he said, We only just started. I said, No. I know I can, I, I'm going to do well. So within the first four weeks, I think I, all of a sudden I, I was beating those, you know, those regular, um, athletics people in, um, in the 100 meter and the 200 meter. The Port Mosby coach said, Hey, it's been four weeks and you've been doing really well. So are you interested in this sport? And hey, look, I'm all in it. Count me in. I said, okay, well, if you, if you're going well, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to let you know. That's what the coach said. There's still few sports available up for grabs at the national team and the national championships are going to be held in Ley. That's in another province. And that's where the final selection is going to be made. And I'm like, this is going to be my last shot, man. I got to take this. Um, knowing that I don't have any money to buy spikes. I was training bath, uh, bath fit. <clears throat> um, I had no training gear. I had, Sometimes, or most times, I had to walk all the way from my Tokar um, suburb all the way down to Sajongai Stadium. I'd, I'd stay there till in the evening, and I'll run back home. And I'd be focused on um, my athletics training, which everyone in my community said, hey, look, that's completely a waste of time. The kid is always been a nuisance industry, you know, too much fighting, bullying, going into other people's houses, breaking things. And, you know, and then yeah, I've been in, I'll be honest, I've been involved in, you know, jumping on, you know, stolen vehicles and doing all those really bad things. And everyone was like, you know, it's not going to, but I, I cared less about what people say. You know, I knew this was going to change my life. I knew it in my heart that it was going to happen. You did go to the national championships in the end. What did it cost to travel there? The levy fee was 400 kina. Uh, I had to look for that money. I had to go back to some of my old friends again and say, hey, look, you know, I'm busy and they, they were laughing, but they had to, they somehow found that money and gave that money to me. Uh, my dad said, hey, look, I don't have enough on me. I only have this 100 bucks. He gave me 100 bucks, totally up to 400. I gave it to the utmost priority and said, hey, this is my, um, my levy fee. But that only covered the FA, not the accommodation. Uh, and going to another province, which I don't know, I don't have any family there living. I just jumped on that plane. I took the risk and, and I asked one of my friends if he, if I could borrow a, a running spikes, an old one that was completely worn out. But yeah, I took it. Um, with less clothes, um, no pocket money, no nothing. I had my, my, I just jumped on the plane and my late brother, uh, just gave me 20 bucks and he said, that's for when you get off the plane in lay. Um, there is a, bus that stops in front and picks up people to go and drop them at the whatever destination. Um, but you will have to pay them 20 kina. That's the fee. And then, um, yeah, that was the only money I had. I, I never thought about food. I never, never thought about where I'm going to sleep. I only had my eyes on the championship. And then, yeah, he gave me the 20 bucks and said, you know, I he, he had an ex-wife that lives there. So I said, look, I have nowhere to stay, so if you can just apologize to your ex-wife and tell if I can stay with her, please. <laughs> um, and the ex-wife um, agreed, yeah. 
You're listening to Stories from the Pacific on ABC Radio Australia. I'm Bobby McCumber and I'm speaking with PNG athletics legend Nelson Stone. Nelson, that first championship was in another province, Lay. You were able to get the funds together to go and you made it to the 400 metre final. Describe that race for me. Yeah, so um, I got there um, and I only knew how to run the 200. Um, so when I got to the track, um, the Port Mosby athletics coach came up to me and said, hey, Nelson, would you like to run the 400? And I said, what's 400 or what, what do you mean? The 400 is one lap. Oh, okay. Um, all right. So what do, what, what should I do? All right. Uh, the heat's, uh, in the next two hours. So you go in and run and you had all these athletic stars, the national you know, representative, they're all here for the final shot, get the final selection. Everybody's off and uh, final preparations for the, the Pacific games. And then the, the, the stadium was jam packed. So, and I said, all right. Okay. I'll, um, I took another chance and I said, all right, I'll do the 400. I did the heats on Saturday. I came second and I qualified uh, for the final. Um, So on the final, uh, 400 meter final, which is on Sunday, uh, was 15 minutes to go before um, we got onto our blocks. I was given lane six. We had Moen Boino in lane five. We had, that was the... Our, our top national runner, Moen Bono, is an iconic star of track and field. We have Andrew, we had Andrew Duna, Fabian Nulai, all these national representatives, all the big guns were in all the lanes, and I was in lane six. They called us over to go to the side of the track and get ready. Ten minutes to go, but most be athletics team manager ran down to me and said, hey, Nelson, come off to the side first. And I said, all right, okay. So what is it? He said, can you look? Look up to the, the grandstand. I said, yeah, there's so many people. Can you see someone in the grandstand? I said, mm, no, I don't know who you're talking about. Now, if you look carefully, you'll see someone in the grandstand. I said, no. And I was really concentrating because, you know, time was nearing. I had to get onto the blocks and get prepared. And, um, yeah. So, you know, in the midst of that, you know, just going back and forth, my mind was like, look, trying to figure out who's is in the stands and, you know, and then, you know, I'm at the final minutes of getting onto the, the block. So I couldn't see what was, uh, who was there. So I said, Hey, look, you know, it's about five minutes now. I have to get onto the block and do my run throughs. And then, um, I have to get ready now. It's time. He said, no, wait, don't go onto the blocks yet. Now I want you to see carefully. There's someone in the stands and I need you to really focus and see properly. So I said, all right, okay, man, I'll just have to focus a bit. So I, I, I steadied my vision and I saw it was my dad. And I was surprised, like, how the hell did he get up here? He just gave me like a hundred bucks to go and, you know, find my way to get up here. And he got up here. Something like a Superman feeling just came into me. You know, like I felt like I was the man at that moment. Like now they are going to fear me. Like I am the man. This is, I'm going to own this race. This is my time, you know, and that's it. It, it was my whole mentality changed at that very moment. Like I knew that I was going to do something special here. So I got onto the lane, final final call. We all got on, got on our blocks, and the gun went. The gun went off. The first three hundred meters, I was completely last. Like, and then when we came off the last bend and into the last straight, 
I was the last person that came off the bend and the first person was eight meters away. It's quite far in track and field. <laughs> and then I had my eyes, I just turned my eyes and I saw my dad stood up. Like everyone stood up, but I saw my dad like, I don't know if I saw everyone, but I just saw my dad stood up. And like I could, you know, at that really quick time was running, I, I could sense my dad said, come on, son. And from that last position where I was, I kept my eyes on my dad and crossed the line first. <laughs> and that's it. Yeah. I, I didn't celebrate. I didn't do anything. I just walked over to the other side of the finish line and the athletics president, Tony Green, ran down and said, where, where are you living right now? I said, oh, with my sister-in-law, somewhere, I don't know where, I don't know where the place or what the place name is. Can you go and get your stuff now? You're moving into the hotel tonight with the national team. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. Call the team physio, um, brought the recovery drinks and everything. Get him, recover quickly. Um, and they were like, all of a sudden, I was treated like a king. <laughs> yeah, you know, you know, that's how, how beautiful life is, you know, um, and how beautiful the struggles are. It makes you want to do things that are amazing. And then my dad walked down and, you know, he had tears in his eyes and he said, you proved me wrong. Now you go out there and enjoy your life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was one of my beautiful moments. Yeah, my life changed from the point. It changed completely. Uh, yeah, it was in 2007. I went on to win silver, uh, bronze, and won silver from nowhere. And then, um, <laughs> From there, I got a sponsorship from, I became the first brand ambassador for Digicel in Papua New Guinea. Uh, uh, the, the sponsorship took care of my family. It helped me raise my kids, put them to school. Yeah, it was all happening. Uh, and things were just going crazy, going crazy. And in 2012, um, you know, I was really fighting for a spot to the Olympic Games. And, you know, it was 2012. Uh, we were in England. Um, preparing for who's going to, you know, be the best male to represent Papua New Guinea, um, uh, the Olympic Games in London. Uh, Mo and Boino was the hot favorite. Um, and I was like, you know, that really, I was uh, really under, under a lot of stress, under a lot of pressure. And, you know, I, um, I, I said to myself, you know, like, I got to make it to the Olympics, man. This is, this is every, Every kid's dream to make it to the Olympics. It's the pinnacle of all sports. And, you know, I got to make it to the Olympics. You know, I was thinking about that really hard. And then, you know, and then I thought back to my dream, my first ever dream, whether it's sports or education or work or my first ever dream. And that, that dream is I, I really hold close to me. Like I wanted to meet Muhammad Ali one day in my life. And when I did well in 2012, I got selected to represent the only male in, in track and field to represent Papua New Guinea um, uh, at the London 2012 Olympics 2012. And you know what happened on that um, 2012 Olympics? I went out to the 
the opening ceremony and you know there was Beatles, there was Spice Girls, you know, uh, sorry, Paul McCartney, the Beatles guy, um, you know, we had Jason Derulo, all these people that you see and I'm like, wow. You know, I think back to my small community in, in Tokara and here I am at the biggest stage in, in world sports. I was so into it, like I could I was I was so emotional at the time, like tears of joy ran down my face and I'm like, wow. This is the Olympics, man. I couldn't believe it. And then the whole crowd went into sudden pause, silence, and they said, now, let us all welcome the greatest Olympian in the history, Muhammad Ali. No way. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, wow. Mission That's incredible. <laughs> uh, the- I, I dreamt of that at the age of 12 and in 2012, that mission was accomplished. I never gave up. It was always at the back of my head. You know, that was all. That that was it. That, that mission accomplished. That was goal for me. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Nelson, that's incredible. So you made it to the London Olympics. You've seen your idol in Muhammad Ali. <laughs> what was it like? representing your country on the world stage with all of this happening around you? Oh, man, it was it was the greatest thing in my life. You know, like when I look back at how my life was, you know, from terrible, from horrible, from from no hope to this and to represent the country, like putting on that red, black and gold, it was the greatest honour in my life. Like I don't know how words can describe me. I can only say thank you to God, you know. It's, it's, it's an undefeated God, man, that he, you know, he didn't speak to, to me through his voice or showed me a way, but he gave me the courage to, to follow my heart and to follow that little voice in my head that, you know, I can make it. And I did. And he was to rep- and then to go to the Olympic games, you know, I, I don't know how to describe it. It's, it is the greatest feeling in the world. Nelson, after the Olympics, you competed in the 2015 Pacific Games in Papua New Guinea, coming back from injury to win two gold and one silver. You retired after that. Why did you decide that that was the right time? Well, I, I knew all this back, back in the days from my young, you know, kid, day, teenage, I had so much. And it, it really endured. It really um, had a toll, had a massive you know, effect on me. I felt like my body was was telling me that, you know, this is the time after the 2015 game. I felt really, really exhausted mentally. Um, and when I say mentally exhausted, it's not like in all areas of my life, but in terms of sports, active sports, at the elite level, I felt like, you know, this was the right time. Uh, my kids were growing and they were, you know, in, in high school. And I said, nah, I think... It really felt that that was the right time after achieving a massive, um, yeah, goal at the 2015 games. Yeah, so it was, it was, it was time. Yeah. Finally, Nelson, you've spent retirement training other athletes. Many of them made it to this year's Pacific Games in Honiara. What's it like seeing them thrive? It gives me a special feeling, you know, of giving back. Um. And it, 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 it's a very, very special, I'll say unique feeling of giving back and helping 
athletes also who are like me in my in my young days where they're struggling also and they need mentors they need directions and for me to to help that and guide that and and give them that 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 mental pathway for, um, for them to be where they are and and to represent their country and to represent their family I'm knowing that I've put my effort in to make them you know gave them the chance a second chance in life to go and represent their country and it's an amazing feeling. I feel so, so, so grateful, so thankful um, um, for God who has given me this talent to, to share with um, others. Nelson, thank you so much for joining me from Port Moresby. You're welcome. That was Papua New Guinea's Sprint King, Nelson Stone. You've been listening to Stories from the Pacific. I'm Bobby McCumber. To catch more great stories about incredible people from the Pacific, just search for ABC Pacific. This story was produced on the lands of the Ngunnawal and Ngambri people.